Well, I want to hopefully conclude on this word I've been sharing in the past two sessions. I shared it last week and two weeks prior. And I'm aiming to finish the word today, which is um, entitled, When Your Faith is Tested. So this is part three and hopefully the final part um, of this series. So I'll just pray and ask the Lord to, to help us. So Father, we thank you. Lord, we truly give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. Father, we look to you and not to ourselves. And Father, we are praying that, Lord, as this word comes, your word, so that the entrance of your word brings light. So we pray that as your word comes, bring light to our lives, bring illumination, bring revelation, guide us and direct us. And cause us, O oh God, to really increase in our faith in you. As your word said, without faith, it's impossible to please you. You cannot please you without faith. So we pray that, Lord, that you will increase us in faith as we feed on your word. So we thank you. Have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. By way of very brief reminder, I don't want to go too much into a recap. Um, so we're looking at when our faith is tested, how our faith is tested, and the different ways in which God chooses to test our faith when it comes to our walk with him. Our key text was taken from James chapter 1, from 2 to 8. And I think I will read that scripture just again as a basis for this word. And I'll read from the message uh, version, which I shared before, which really gives a bit more description to this scripture. So James chapter 1, sorry, from verse 2 to 8 says, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. If you, don't, if, sorry, if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. So ask boldly. Believing without a second thought. Said people who worry their prayers are like wind whipped waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. Adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. Amen. There's a lot in that scripture which can cut a time I won't go into, but it's it really is a foundation for us. Remembering that every battle and every test of faith that we face the Lord has designed it to bring out and to strengthen your faith, your character and your just your, your overall uh, focus on him. So whatever test of faith that God had in store for you, remember that it's to bring out things in you, to draw you closer to him and to make you more like him. So I spoke about these Six areas of tests that the Lord, throughout our lives, will allow us to go through. And as I mentioned that these were six things, areas of faith that, um, when I was researching this, that Rick Warren, um, a famous minister, 
Um, he initially um, identified these, but I'll just tweet them based on uh, my own meditation on, on these areas. But there were six areas of, of, of our faith that is tested in different parts of our lives, and I think I got to three of them. So the first one was a faith test, was facing something new. And we looked at um, the story of Noah um, and the fact that obviously when Noah was told to build the ark, it was the first time it never rained before. But he obeyed, he had faith in God, and as we know, you know, the, the, the uh, rain came. But because of his faith in God and his obedience, him and his family were saved and were protected. But those who didn't believe his word, unfortunately, they perished. So, faith is something you was faith test number one. Hello, Jamie. Faith test number two was when you go through a major change. Going through a major change was number two. So that we looked at uh, we looked at the example of Moses when he was leading the Israelites into the promised land. And as we know, Moses faced a lot of challenges. The Israelites were complaining, moaning, why can't you do this? We should have stayed here rather than following you, etc. Had a lot of contention. But the Bible says Moses remained focused and he gave them a word and said, Don't be afraid. He said, the Lord will rescue you. And this was at a point where he was, as we know, he was going towards uh, the Red Sea. And he had no idea the Red Sea was coming. Not as though he knew in advance. And as he saw the Red Sea, he gave them this word. Because they were, they were all complaining at that point, even more so than before. And he gave them the word, do not be afraid. The Lord will rescue us. And as we know, as he trusted God, and God asked him, what do you have in your hand? And he stretched out what he had in his hand. It could have been anything. But what he had in his hand at the time, he stretched it out and presented it to God. And through that, the Red Sea parted. And one of the lessons there is that, see, God at times will ask you, what do you have on you? What is it that is in you? Because God has given you everything that we need for any situation that we face. We don't have to be looking elsewhere. Look at what is inside of you, what is on you. And God will always use what you have in order to take you to whatever level that he wants to take you. Then the final, well not the final, just the third test that I think I, I ended on this was the test of delays. We all face delays in our lives. We want things to happen at a certain time and it doesn't appear to happen the way that we want it to. And if you recall, we looked at the story of, uh, of Lazarus. I think I, I ended at that story um, where Jesus took four days after he was begged by uh, Mary and Martha to come and uh, heal their brother and he listened to them but four days it took him until he came and when eventually when he came he, would, he was already dead but God gave them a word and told them that this his situation will not be one of death might be used for the glory of God and when he came they held on that word he came and then he spoke to Lazarus to arise from the dead and he, he rose and as we know what once was someone who had died came back to life after being dead for four days. It's a similar story that I want to share as well, which is uh, the story of Jairus' daughter. This is, um, it's, in the, it's in the Gospels, but famously in the Gospels in Luke chapter 8, verse 41 to 56. Now this story is very similar to the story of Lazarus because Jairus approached Jesus as he was on his way ministering. And the Bible says that 
when he approached Jesus, he was again pleading with him to come with him to his home because his only daughter, age 12, was dying. The Bible says he was pleading with him. Jesus heard him and was actually making his way to his house. But the Bible says that as he was making his way, he was met by what? Well, he was met by a crowd of people. And that was the point where he was touched by somebody, didn't know who it was. And he was asking the disciples, who touched me? And they were saying, Lord, what do you mean you touched me? It's a crowd. But that was the woman with the issue of blood that touched him. So Jairus, at that point, was thinking, the man that can save my daughter, we're going to go to my house. He's going to lay hands on him, uh, on her, and she'll be well. But there was a delay. And it was a legitimate delay because Jesus was ministering to somebody else. Somebody who, who had initial blood for a number of years, bleeding daily for a number of years. But Jesus put Jairus' situation to one side and began to focus on this woman with the issue of blood. And as we know, Jesus spoke with her, ministered to her, and she was healed. But then as he was then finishing with her, someone came to him and said, Jairus' daughter is dead. Now see, I'm not too sure, the Bible doesn't say at that point what Jairus did or his response or whatever it was. But again, Jesus gave him a word, which I will read. And Jesus said to Jairus, do not be afraid. Just have faith and she will be healed. Amen. Now see, at that point, Jairus had a decision to make. It was either to focus on the news that he and Jesus received that his daughter had died or it was to hold on to the word of God Now, see when you listen to these stories at times we forget that this is this wasn't a film this wasn't some fictional situation this was real life your own daughter had died you ran out the house to find somebody that you knew could heal and you got to them that person, Jesus, was now making his way to your house. But then he was legitimately ministering to somebody else. So in Jairus' mind, it's like, come on, man, I've, I've come out to try and get help. I've received the person that's going to help me. And now look at this, I've been delayed. And it seemed like a legitimate argument that he had, it, 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 something to really complain about. But Jesus gave him this word, and he had a choice to make. Should I believe the word you've given to me, even though that I just heard my daughter died? Or should I hold on to your word? Now again, we don't know how, how uh, uh, Jairus reacted at that point. But we do know the end. Was that Jesus went to his house. And when he got there, people were wailing, crying, etc. And Jesus said to them, you don't need to be crying, she's sleeping. And the Bible said they were laughing, thinking, have you lost your mind? What do you mean she's sleeping? She's dead. She's been dead for, I don't know how long. But Jesus went there and he prayed, called uh, for, for Jairus' daughter to, to wake up. And she woke up and she was back to life again. Now see, in that time of delay, again, the Bible doesn't say how Jairus reacted. The Bible doesn't explain about what his mindset was. But I'm pretty confident that the word that was given to him by Jesus, that he held on to that word. And I want to encourage you, because listen, in life, there are going to be many things that will come your way that will seem as though that's the end. 
because in a sense death is, is a finality so you may receive or hear news about something that may be like a death sentence that's been spoken over your life but we have to hold on to God's word we have to look into God's word sometimes God may not give you a word directly like how uh, Jesus gave Jairus a word that said to him do not be afraid you know, your daughter will be, will be healed. You may not hear a word in that way, but the scriptures are God's word. Because sometimes we think, Lord, you haven't spoken to me about anything. But open the scriptures. Find God's word and hold on to his word. And as you do that, that is the word of God for you. And you apply it to your situation. You have faith in that word. And you trust God. And I believe that that's what, that's what uh, Jairus did. And even though he heard that his daughter had died, he held on to that word and as we know his daughter came back to life so I say this to you, part of faith is waiting for God's timing without knowing when you need to recognize that faith has many different faces God's timing is God's timing see when God intervenes he will intervene in his time he's never late God doesn't do like you know He's not late ever. He can't be late. But he will come on time to minister to your situation. So whatever it is that you're believing God for, where you feel that there's been a delay, say, Lord, this thing should have happened yesterday. I should have been healed from last week. This breakthrough I'm believing you for, why is it taking so long? Hold on to God's word. And as you do that, when he comes, he will come on time. He will come exactly when you need it. And he will give all the glory. You will give all the glory to him. Amen? So faith test number four, now we're moving on, is when you face what I call unsolvable problems. And I say unsolvable in inverted commas, because sometimes it appears unsolvable, but it's solvable. And this is what I call, or what Roland calls, the how test. Which in other words, how did this happen? Or how can this situation be fixed because it just looks as though it, it cannot be solved you know you have a problem and you don't know how to solve it you just haven't got a clue how it's going to be done you know remember um, in the Bible the, the, the story of, of Abraham Abraham was told by God that he was going to be a father yet Abraham was nearly a hundred years old his wife was nearly a hundred years old in her 90s so naturally speaking, what God said and what his situation was didn't make sense. So that seemed to be an unsolvable problem. God is not going to make your, you into a 20-year-old so that your body can produce children when somebody is 99. I, don't, I mean, he could do that, but I mean, that's not what God did. But God told him, Abraham, you are a father of nations. And also he gave a word to, to Sarah, his wife, which is in Hebrews 11, 11, I'll share this. It says, it was by faith that even Sarah was able, this is a word, but this is, this is what the scripture says. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. So she held on to the promise that was given to, to um, her husband. Because she knew that if he's going to be a father, 
his child is going to come through me. So she held on to that promise. She held on to that breakthrough. And this was a double miracle because not only was she obviously over the age, but the Bible said that she was barren. So medically, it was impossible. As well as physically or naturally, it seemed impossible. But as the Bible says, all things are possible to you, to those who believe. And the Bible says that she held on to the promise of God. And I want to encourage you, whatever you're facing, hold on to God's promises. God's word never changes. Unfortunately, your situation will always change. Things that, a battle that you're facing may be at a certain level, but it may get even worse. You may receive news about your health, but then you may receive even worse news about something else. You have to hold on to what the word of God says. Hold on to the promises of God. And as you do so, God will step in and intervene on your behalf. So faith is expecting a miracle without knowing how. You don't know how God's going to do it. To be fair, you don't even care how God's going to do it. But you expect by faith that God is going to perform a miracle in your situation. That's the attitude that Sarah and Abraham took. They, didn't, they weren't thinking, okay, Lord, how are you going to do this? I'm 99. My wife's in the 90s. You can see our bodies. Our reproductive symptoms clearly are not working properly. So they could have chosen to focus on those things. But as you do that, what will happen? Doubt will creep in. Okay, Lord, you're, I know you're saying this, but we're not seeing what's happening. Clearly, it's not going to happen. Because if you focus on those things, then you will begin to believe the things that you're focusing on, which are negative. But clearly their focus was on God's word. And the Bible says that they held on to the promise of God. And as they did so, they received the very thing that God intended to bless them with, which was a child. The first child. So trust in God. Believe him. And as you look to him, just as this test said, things that appear unsolvable, God will solve them as you put your trust and your confidence in him. Amen. So I prophesy again concerning this, that you will receive, you will experience miracles concerning your life. And God will cause those things or things, people that are close to you that don't know God. That as God performs these miracles and, and resolves these unsolvable problems, people that are close to you that don't know God, they will know God because of the testimony that you have. So there may be people in your family that don't even know the Lord. But as you trust and hold on to God's word and allow God's miracle to be performed in your life, those around you, your family, your friends, those that may be thinking, I don't see how these guys are going to get to know God. Through your testimony, through the miracle that God will do through you, through the faith you have in him, they will come to know the Lord. They will come to know the saving grace of God. Amen? So faith test number five. This one is a challenging one. This is where you face senseless losses this could be anything and I call this one or Rick Warren called this one the why test so again why had this taken place it could be your job I know some of us at times we may have lost a job without no explanation from our manager maybe people have been um, um, uh, I think uh, Jadio you were speaking before that you're team is going through like some redundancies or so so certain departments they may decide that they're no longer needed and unfortunately that may be your department out of all the departments within the company they decide that your one 
isn't needed anymore. So then your job doesn't exist. And you're thinking, why, Lord? What has happened? What is going to happen? How am I going to pay my bills? That's a senseless loss. You know, this week there was, um, on the news, there were two things that I, I, I listened to on the news that I thought, this is so senseless. One of them, I don't know if you heard of this, in, in Wimbledon, um, a woman was driving, I don't even know what happened, how she drove her car recklessly, but she drove into a school um, where the children were, at that time, randomly, they just were doing some kind of outdoor activity. PE, was it? Picnic had a picnic at that particular time. Uh, and this woman in her, yeah, I think the Range Rover or so, I don't know what, what happened, but she just drove into the picnic area where the, where the children were. Uh, one of the children died, crushed one of the children, and about 16 others are critically injured or so. You can't even imagine being the parent of, of, of the child that passed or the parent of any of the children that are critically injured. You take your child to school, you go about your business. And then you get a call that, I'm sorry to tell you, there's been an accident, your daughter is no longer alive. How are you supposed to receive and take that? That's a, that's a, it's, it's like a, it's a sen it doesn't make any sense. It's a senseless loss. There was one of um, a family, factor, a cousin of, of Lynette, about two years ago, who had recently got married and was just coming home from, from work. They went shopping and with the shopping bags, walking into the driveway to enter into the house and they just collapsed. And finally they were outside collapsed for quite a while until a neighbor came by and was banging on the windows to say, oh, your, you know, your family member is on the floor. But the guy died instantly. Senseless losses. No, it doesn't. No background. No medical is history. There's not nothing that took place that we knew of medically, but he just died just like that. These things happen and they make no sense. In fact, there was an, an, another person. This is. Um, I went to a funeral about a month ago. A family friend of mine passed away, and there was a friend that I used to work with that was at the funeral. And when I was speaking with her, she just wasn't herself at all. And I said, are you okay? I know we're at a funeral, but just the way she was behaving, she said, she said this is just one of another funeral that she'd been to. That she works in a school, and during assembly, one of her teachers, her colleague teachers, just collapsed during assembly. All the children were there, just like this, let's say, and the, the, she was at the front, the children all sitting down. She just collapsed in front of everybody. On the spot, died instantly. They were trying to do CPR on her, all those kind of things, or whatever, in front of the children. They had to usher the children out, etc. And the woman just passed, on the, just on the spot, just like that. And she said that everybody was just totally traumatized by it. Again, it's like a, where's the sense? It doesn't make any sense. And see, sometimes when these things happen, we're looking for some kind of explanation that we can hold on to. And at the time, there isn't one. If you could, Lord, please just give me something that I can say, okay, I understand or whatever. But then you don't receive anything. So in that situation, what do you do? It 
You know, going back to, uh, to Abraham, when, when finally God blessed him with a son, what did God then decide to do after that? He then made him, well, he tested him again. He said, okay, this son that I'm giving to you, I want you now to sacrifice him unto me. So can't put yourself in Abraham's shoes. You, something that you've been believing for, for the whole of your life. You've now been given that thing. And then God now said to you, okay, I want you to sacrifice that very thing that I said I'm going to give to you. Abraham, bless him, focused on God. And see, this is where I, th- I think, not that I think, I know from scripture that God is so focused on what we do. He looks at our hearts. The Bible says, yeah, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But God is so much focused on the things that we do. Abraham could have said, yeah, God, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. But in his heart, he'd be like, please, I'm this, I'm not, there's no way. You just gave me something I've been believing you for, this promise, and now you want me to, to kill him. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. But he could have said in his mouth verbally, I will do it. Just like if you remember with, with Peter, when Jesus uh, and Peter were, were corresponding, and Peter said to him, oh, Jesus, I will never, ever betray you. I will be with you to the end. He said to him, okay, but before the cock crowed three times, you will deny me. He said, now, there's no way I would ever, ever do that. And what happened? Three people came. They asked him, oh, you're one of the disciples. What are you talking about? On three occasions, and then the cock crowed. So I'm sure that Peter had no doubt in his heart that he would have, you know, done what he said and not, uh, not uh, betrayed Jesus. But unfortunately, his actions betrayed Jesus. But see, Abraham was different. We don't know what was in his heart as such, but to me, it's probably clear that what was in his heart was that, listen, Lord, this is so hard, but I trust you. And he went ahead and attempted to sacrifice his own child, and that's when God stepped in and said, Abraham, stop. You showed me that you trust me. Leave your child or bring another sacrifice. And it's so important that when God speaks to us about something, that no matter how ridiculous it seems, when we know that God has given us instruction, we obey and we do it. Because the very end of it will be that God will bless us beyond we can believe or imagine. Because of our obedience and our confidence in him. You know, an important part of faith is trusting God's purpose without knowing why. The Bible says that we know in part. Some things we know a bit, but other things we don't know anything about. And it's the stuff that we don't know anything about that we have to really just give to him. And just leave the Lord with that ignorance on our side, because we don't know, but we just trust him. Even though we don't know, we choose to trust him. So I want to prophesy this over you again, that you will obey the leading of the Holy Spirit when it comes to whatever it is in your life that you're facing without trying to work things out yourself. But you will be led by the guidance of the Holy Spirit concerning everything that you face, even if you don't know why. 
that God will give you that grace to trust him. Amen? The final and the sixth faith test, again, is another difficult one. This is prolonged pain. I see, sometimes in life you will go through seasons that seem extended. And those seasons of, extent, of extension may be seasons of pain. You just disappointment and pain and things just not going the way that they should be. At times God will allow you to go through these seasons deliberately to minister to your character and to again to get you to focus on him. You know, it could be uh, issues with relationships or spiritual or personal, your work, etc. It could be your health. And it's for an extended period of time. And again, God will say to you, as you trust in him and as you live with that situation, that God will see you through. But you have to trust and put your faith in him. You know, similar to um, the situation with uh, Paul, the apostle Paul. The Bible speaks about Paul having what was called this thorn in his flesh that God placed there in order to almost to kind of to keep him on track. So even though that, that thing was causing him pain and was causing him to just um, be really kind of irritant and, and it, was, it was a struggle. But the Bible said that God gave him that thorn on purpose in order to keep... Let's read the scripture in like 2 Corinthians 12. I'm going to read the message version to bring out a bit more. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, read from 7 to 10. It says, because of the extravagance of those revelations. And so I wouldn't be a big head. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. This is Paul speaking. It says, Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was to push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first I didn't think it was a gift and I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all that you need. My strength comes into its own, into your weakness. And I speak that over you. That God's grace is enough in whatever prolonged pain that you're facing. That God's strength is made perfect in the weakness that you're going through. Goes on, he says, once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift, this thorn in my flesh as a gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limit, limitations in stride and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Amen. The weaker you get, the more battles that you face, the more pain that you go through, the Bible says, the stronger that you will become. This is the word of God to you. You know, some people that have delved into that scripture, they believe that part of this thorn in his flesh, um, that it may be actually representing people, people that were difficult, people that were just hard to work with. The Bible, was, some people, historians believe that that's what this thorn in his flesh was referring to. You know, and sometimes when we face people that are hard to work with or difficult or just, you know, they rub us up the wrong way, 
what we tend to do naturally is to run away from them, to keep out of their way so that we can just have some peace. But see, sometimes God wants us to, not sometimes, I think most of the time, after all the time, God doesn't want us to run away. He wants us to actually be with those individuals. Because as you're with them, and as they're challenging behavior and their quirks and ways that you don't like, they actually do something in you and cause you to now amend yourself to conform to Christ. You know, many times I've done that where there's, you know, people that have a work and stuff like that. I've just thinking, I haven't got time to be around this person. And God has spoken to me and said, listen, no, you need to be around them. Because there are things in you that you need to change in order to make sure that you can minister and be with individuals who di di display the, a certain type of character. You know, this is what God does. It's a cut of time and I want to pray very shortly. Faith in this area is persisting through pain without knowing how long. And I said before, timing is in God's hands. You don't look to, Lord, when it is going to stop. Because if you do, you will just get frustrated. But you're trusting God as you're going through whatever process that you're going through. You're looking to him. The story of, of uh, Job is, is, me personally, is one of the most fascinating stories in the Bible because of the way that Job... The Bible says that he was described as a man of integrity, a man that uh, feared God with blameless, um, a man that kept away from evil. So in God's sight, this was somebody that, that uh, God approved of. But God allowed him to be tested by Satan himself. And as we know, when he was tested, Jesus said, listen, do what you want to do, just don't kill him. So with that permission, as we know, God allowed Job to be tested in so many areas. He lost his possessions, his, 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 uh, his resources, and even worse, he lost his own family. And the Bible says that as he was being told, people were coming and saying, Job, I'm sorry to tell you, all your cattle, all your belongings, they've all gone. As one person was telling him, another person would come and say, oh, by the way, sorry, Job, yeah, sorry. You've also lost your, your, you know, your, your, your cars or blah, blah, blah. One after the other, the Bible says, they were telling him. One hadn't even finished. Another one was coming to give him more bad news. He, all his children had died. So this was bad news after bad news. But the Bible says that Job, for whatever, he just focused on God. And he gave this word. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb. And I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had. And the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. For somebody to say this after they've lost their entire family, let's just say that their family was even by the grace of God was actually okay, but if you've lost all your job, you've lost your business, you've lost your house, you've lost all your physical possessions, how many of us have been quick to be saying, I praise the name of the Lord? But not only that, he lost his own family, his own wife that was still alive was saying, curse God and die. His wife had literally abandoned him. So he was literally by himself. Just him and God. But his focus was on him, on the Lord. And said, praise the name of the Lord. And even his own friends, if you read the scriptures, his friends came initially to try and encourage him. And in the end, they weren't encouraging at all. 
You know, and at one point, God had to intervene. And when God intervened, he was telling off the so-called friends of Job, but also were telling Job himself about how he was, because Job eventually was accusing God and, and, you know, just pouring out his heart. But with respect to Job, he never insulted God. In all the pain that he went through, put his heart out, but he never insulted God at all. And the Bible said that God came and told Job about himself. He said, listen, I'm God, not you. So you need to listen to me when I do things. And he told off his friends. But the Bible says that in the end, he told Job to pray for his friends, to repent of how he behaved, but also to pray for his friends that were talking wrongly about God. And the Bible says that as he prayed for his friends, that was when things turned around. And he repented. And everything the Bible says that he lost, God gave him even more in the end. And that is a lesson for us. Because you may lose things. There may be things that you think, uh, you know, you've lost that you will never get back. But see, when God replaces, he gives you even things that are even more blessed than what you had before as you focus on him. So again, I prophesy that you will respond in faith the next time you face a test of your faith, that your response will be one of faith in God. Amen? I want to end with this and I want to pray. It's very quickly, just six ways in how you can respond to God's faith tests. Number one is to focus on God throughout. Again, it's so easy to look at the, the, the test itself, to look at the thing you've lost, to look at the thing that's causing you pain and to focus on those things. But we need to focus on God as opposed to focusing on those things. So focus on God throughout the time frame or however long or whatever taking place. Let God be your focus, number one. Number two is to trust God at every single stage. It's either said than done. It sounds like, you know, um, it's easy. We know it's not easy. But when you have faith in him, that's when you can trust him. So you can trust God at every stage as you have faith in him. Number three is to do not allow your feelings to rule you. I've said before, put your feelings in their rightful place. You know, I heard a man of God uh, sharing about feelings and saying that your, your feelings should follow your faith. So whatever your faith is when it comes to God, that's what your feelings should follow. Not the other way around. So let your feelings follow the faith in God that you have. Number four, speak God's word over your situation and obey his word. God's word is life. As you speak it, power is released. So whatever you're facing, you don't have to feel in a kind of upbeat way. Just speak God's word. You could feel like total rubbish. But as you speak God's word, you're speaking life. You're speaking faith. You're speaking God's purpose. So speak God's word over your situation. And also obey his word. It's important as you speak God's word. Anything that God's saying to you, obey what his word says to you. Number five, agree with others in prayer. It's so powerful. The Bible says where two or more agree, it's established. Find somebody and agree. No matter what it is, you're believing God for something. You're believing for a breakthrough. You're believing for healing. You're believing for a miracle. You're believing for a job. You're believing for uh, those who are not married. You're believing for a partner. 
you're believing for a breakthrough in your business, whatever it may be. Use God's principles. Find somebody, agree and believe and hold on to the prayer that you prayed. And number six, finally, is to be led by the Holy Spirit. This is last but definitely no means least. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit, my brothers and sisters. So many of us at times, we're led by, again, how we feel or we're led by what's happening. We're led by our circumstances that change every second. But we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Allow him to direct you and guide you. And he will take you where he wants to take you. Amen? I want to read the scriptures and I want to pray. Matthew 17, 20. It says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. John 7 verse 38 says, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Believing in God. Romans 15 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Finally, John 6 35 says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Let's bow our heads and, and pray. Father, as you have heard us this morning, as you and have shared, and as you see the hearts of your children this morning, Father, I bring each one before you. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that you will intervene directly into each and every person's situation. Father, the things that you know that your children are believing you for, according to your will, that as they apply your word, that as they demonstrate faith in you, Lord, cause them to receive the breakthrough that they're believing you for in the name of Jesus, that they will say to whatever mountain, move from here to there, and it shall move, and nothing shall be impossible. We pray, oh God, that you will cause the rivers of living waters to flow within each one. That your spirit will rise up within each one of your children. In the name of Jesus. So Father, we thank you. Touch each one, we pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. I want to join faith with those of you here that are believing God for something that you believe is a miracle. I don't know what it is, but I just feel led to agree with you. If that's you, if you can just stand, and I want to join my faith with you, that whatever you're believing the Lord for, that as you trust in him, that the Lord will move on your behalf. The Lord will favor you. And the Lord will call you to testify of the very thing that you're believing him for. So if you just stand, if you're believing him for whatever miracle, breakthrough, Something that you know that you need to apply total faith for. I want to join my faith with you. Father, we thank you. Lord, you see these ones standing. Lord, I join my faith with your children. And Lord, I say, Lord, according to the faith that we exercise in you, so shall it be in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that, Lord, that you will favor each one. That breakthrough shall be their portion. That they will say to that mountain, move from here to there. And it shall move. And that nothing shall be impossible. 
Father, we thank you for your breakthrough. We thank you for your miracles. We thank you that each one will testify, Lord, of the favor and of the miracle that you have done in their lives. And that all glory and all praise shall be given to you. Father, we praise you that it is done. It is done. So, Father, let each one come and testify of your faithfulness as they exercise total faith in you. So, Lord, we thank you. We say, let it be according to your will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.